Welcome, everyone, to our weekly podcast. We are Hello. glad that you're here. And this last week, we celebrated Father's Day. And so we want to talk about this idea that God reveals himself as a father. God reveals himself in many ways in the Bible. And clearly, there's a feminine side that he attaches and helps us to understand. He reveals himself in that way to us, is what I'm trying to say. That idea that both masculinity and femininity is an expression of the image of God. But we're going to talk specifically about this idea of God revealing himself to us as a father. Father's Day. Mike, what does that mean to you? Just the whole idea. Well, I find it, I find it incredibly interesting um, because, as you said, I mean, God's not male or female, of course. God is spirit. And um, both masculinity and femininity are needed to reflect the full image. So Jesus comes into a culture and, you know, shocks his contemporaries by, by using a very intimate word uh, to pray to God. In a culture that was so fearful of, of taking his name in vain, they ceased pronouncing the divine name by Jesus' day. And so they would substitute um, other names or they would just refer to it as the name with a capital N. Um, and so Jesus comes with this very intimate portrait. And not only um, do we do we receive this image, but Father, Son, Spirit then becomes, over the course of Christian theology, this the, the way now that, that we understand uh, what God is like. And what it means to me is a couple of things. Number one, you have an illustration par excellence in, um, in earthly parents for what it is that God's after. In the same way that earthly parents, if they're functioning well and they're healthy and they're loving, are after the maturity of their children, that is what God is seeking with us. And so we come at God with all sorts of false views, whether God's a vending machine, a 911 service, whether God you know, is this cosmic judge in the sky waiting for me to screw up. Jesus presents this image of a father that wants our maturity and as such is willing to discipline, right? The author of Hebrews talks about that God disciplines those whom he loves. And we hate that. We just want mercy and we just want, but we all know in, in human parenting, uh, that, that parents who just give their kids what they want are really bad parents. That's actually not the most loving thing you can do to your children. Sometimes you have to take pretty stark measures with your kids. And, um, and so I see that, that this father image, and the same way a mother image would be, is this image that's love-based, relationship-oriented, but is also unwilling and relentless uh, in, in not taking shortcuts, in not just giving us what we want. And so in a consumeristic, materialistic culture where God, you know, becomes my, my way to health and prosperity, there's a much deeper thing that God is after, and it involves shaping us and forming us in maturity. And that's a powerful concept all through the Bible in the New Testament, this idea that God loves us enough to grow us up and that suffering uh, discipline, difficulty. We see it in our own kids. We watch our kids as they face the challenges of life. And one of the things that we have to learn as a parent is to let them right. solve their problems, let them embrace their problems and be with them in it. Instead of like today, they've got the helicopter parents, the hovering concept right. that are constantly rushing in, yeah. trying to salvage, and in that creating a weakness in our children. And God clearly says, I am not going to do that. That's right. He doesn't leave us to ourselves, but he loves us enough to grow us. And part of growing us is facing difficulties and challenges uh, and then disciplining us. And clearly a huge theme in the New Testament, the idea in Romans where it says to us that he, that the trials of life and the difficulties of life per, uh, create perseverance 
and that perseverance develops character and ultimately it's the hope that we have in Christ. But also the relational component. You didn't talk as much about that. Uh, and the relational component startled people because it's the idea of a, a heavenly father that's loving and mm-hmm. they didn't have that view of God at all. No. No, and, and God reveals himself uh, progressively and so you have, you know, God does use father image in the Old Testament but it's it's among a whole host of images. And so it is startling because it's not just father language, it's intimate father language. It's the deepest sort of father language, the, the, the earliest sort of father language. And, and, and so Paul in Romans, of course, develops this concept that literally God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God, that literally one of the images then is that we now begin to see God as Father in ways that supersede even our biological parenting that's done. And the, and the intimacy is so great that, that this spirit within us that testifies actually groans on my behalf when I don't have words. This spirit is the spirit now that I'm uh, supposed to keep in, in step with. But primarily, the, the images that are given are all relational. So why, don't, why do we worry about sin? Well, the scriptures talk about quenching and grieving of all the words to use. To, to describe what happens when believers sin, right? We, the justification's been taken care of. There's no condemnation for Christ. Obviously, there's discipline that comes in persistent rebellion. But there is the, the, these fundamentally relational concepts uh, of grieving and quenching. I find that just stark to capture this relational concept you're talking about. So now then, let's go to Father's Day. What are some of the practical applications for us as dads as you think about Father's Day? Well, a couple. I mean, from from the church's perspective, though clergy is very male-dominated, the the studies, the sociology says that in churches, uh, men are absent, that women are much more often the spiritual leaders of their household. And so my view is, and it's not, you know, entirely popular, uh, is that is that there have been parts of Christianity that have felt very exclusive from men, um, where we've highlighted... Um, I'm what do you say, mean? Well, I'm just going to say, uh, I, don't, I don't worship always by singing love songs to Jesus. There are times when that is absolutely appropriate, that intimacy is necessary, but my relationship with my dad is much bigger than that. And so often, we highlight very feminine forms of spirituality corporately together. And I think there have to be, there has to be a permission given in the church for masculine spirituality as well. So what would that look like? Well, I think it's a number. You want some chants, standing up, drum rolls... I want to. I want to charge, bands, charge in a battlefield <laughs> in a kilt with blue paint <laughs> and a large sword. No, uh, I think it's a number of different things. I think it's permission given. I think often uh, that that um, from the front, I want to be somebody that uh, that is just a guy and that isn't necessarily. I want. I don't want people to see me primarily as pastor. I want people to see me as Mike, who is a guy who loves Jesus, who happens to be a pastor in that order. Mm-hmm. And so I try to give permission, and even the way I talk about the faith and the way I talk about my marriage and my family, for guys just to recognize there's a masculine spirituality that's fine and that's healthy. Secondly, I want to uh, be very clear that our, our spheres of worship are much broader than just the narrow slices we typically highlight in a church service. And so, you know, we talk about what it means to be a minister in the business world or what it means to, what it means, and to, you know, and on, on Father's Day, I mean, to literally have the guy stand up and say, contrary to our world's definitions, you know, you are indispensable. You're not disposable. And the most critical factor to a child's spiritual development is the participation of a loving father. End of story. 
End of story. There were there was a study done in Sweden. And Sweden. Gonna, Sweden. Oh my! Can anything good from come from Sweden? Uh, besides the Swedish chef, there's a Muppet reference for you. We were just talking about how Kenton was in high school in the 70s, while okay. some of us were in utero. Um, uh, <laughs> and they showed that if if the, the both parents went to church, the percentage of kids that would go to church and stay in church was like 30 some percent. I'm going to get the numbers wrong. If if the dad ceased going and the mom took the kid to church, it went down to like 8%. Right. But if the dad took the kid to church without the mom, it was actually higher than even the parents together going. Mm-hmm. And one of the conclusions you make is, and we don't teach this enough to our guys, that they, their participation in spiritual life for their children is the most important thing for them. And I think it's, it's, it's you know, you see it in the Old Testament, the call of the family was to be the predominant place of spiritual DNA. Right? It wasn't the church, it wasn't the synagogue, it wasn't the temple. It was the fathers and it was the family. And God built festivals and feasts and corporate expressions to support that. And so we want to be a community that says, hey, the work of children's ministry isn't to do the work of, of discipling kids. It's to support the parents in discipling the kids. I like that. We said I saw a study one time that talked about how to create faith in uh, the next generation. And in this study, what they saw is if the father took any spiritual role where they were involved in teaching in Sunday school, leading some class teaching, and the parents or the children could observe it, mm. the return was astronomical. And again, I don't remember the details, but it was staggering to see when a guy takes the responsibility for his own spiritual life and models it to his children and That's finds right. a way to be comfortable talking about it, it adds huge value to a family. So part of what we do on a Father's Day is to remind um, the earthly dads that not only, you know, do they have they have backup. I mean, hallelujah that we don't have to figure this out <laughs> on our own because many of us didn't have dads that were helpful in that regard. But even more deeply than that, the invitation as we're being fathered by God to father our children in the same ways. And so it's, it, you know, so God becomes this incredible model for how to parent, oddly enough. Um, not oddly, but surprisingly. And, and how God parents me um, inspires, convicts, challenges the way I parent my kids. And so part of what we do on, on Father's Day is not only to honor dads, but to call them out without guilt, without shame, without condemnation, and remind them of the kind of epic call that exists on them as fathers. And, and you know, of course, um, we're not alone. Of course, moms are gigantic in the spiritual And we process. do that on Mother's Day. And Absolutely. So they get a day. And they all get through a day. the year. That's right. They, they get a day. They, yeah, we want they, our day. That's right. That's all right. right. So, so how does it work for you? I like what you're saying, and I think that that's true. I think for me... I think there's a couple things. I think the the church affirming fathers as a whole is is critical because it isn't uh, affirmed in culture. Mm -mm. And I think the other thing that I love to say on Father's Day is I always say to the women, well, they believe they know how to be a father better than men do. (laughs) Even though men will know that they don't know how to be a better mother or even know how to be a mother. For whatever reason, mothers think they know how to be fathers and mothers at the same time. It is a powerful statement to say you don't know how to be a father Mm -hmm. and that to move the fathers at each other, to say you can learn this from each other in community with guys. And that affirming Guys with guys in a good sense of saying, you're fathers and what does it mean to be a father? I like that as a church, 
to, to affirm the masculinity and affirm that they need each other, they can learn that from each other, and that they play that vital role in it. And then just modeling it from one generation. I always like to affirm my father. I do it during the message. I talk about things that I learned from him mm. that are important. We're in the series uh, titled Identity, and even in Ephesians it says that the whole family of God gets its name, or identity. And so our identity, you mentioned some ways. I mentioned there's other ways that we get our identity from our father that experts in society, uh, psychology, lots of places tell us how much of our identity comes from our Father and that uh, our Heavenly Father gives us our identity right. and He calls us blessed, you know, He adopts us, we're His children, we're included, you know, we're, we're saints, all these things. Right. These are, are powerful names that as we get from a Father, that's a powerful concept. And so as we... As I model affirming um, my father, I affirm my kids. I think that we t uh, we teach a culture how to bless and how mm. to pass on a blessing. That's huge. That's a huge part of our culture. Yeah. So last words, Mike. No, I, I think um, the idea of blessing is overlooked, and maybe that'll be a return topic, because mm -hmm. uh, one of the most powerful things I don't think I had was my dad's consistent blessing. I felt very, I had to perform. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I was, I was grateful to be a good performer in a lot of ways, but uh, it was dependent, it felt like. And to have, so one of the things I've tried to do is either pray the ironic benediction over them out of number six, may the Lord bless you, keep you, or to just say what Jesus said, um, or what God the Father said to Jesus at his baptism. You are my son, my daughter, um, in whom... I am well pleased, and and to uh, to invite them to live a little bit more into that reality. Final thoughts for you. Well, we hope you have a great day. We're glad that you've joined us on this podcast. Thank you. Bye.